Hi, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're so glad that you could be with us today as we're going to attempt to connect some great biblical truth to how we live our lives every day. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited about the podcast today because it's a topic that gets me uh, incredibly fired up. And that's the topic of kingdom generosity and, and really living our lives out of the overflow of of the inside, you know, the inside leading to a great inside leading to a prosperous and fruitful outside. Yeah. Sometimes people try to focus on the outside, but they don't get the inside right, and it's, right. it's difficult. But um, generosity has a way of uh, welling up out of our hearts and not only bringing blessing to other people, but bringing blessing to us as well. No, that's good. And I, I, when I think generosity, I think it really connects to our previous podcast on excellence. Yes. Yeah. A lot of times when people think generosity, they're thinking, I don't have, I don't have anything to give. Right. I think they're money or yeah. resources and finances. But generosity really is a mindset, right? It's a heart it really condition, is. right? And if you're large on the inside, like you said, you give out what you can, and that, and you and then you get the increase. Absolutely. Know? And just by way of review, you know, we've been doing this series called Our Tribe, uh, dealing with our core values here at Living Stones. Uh, and you can help me out here. But but so many of these are, right. are inside-out uh, values. Oh, so yeah. Bold faith. Bold faith. So, you know, faith is something, again, that comes out of our heart and leads to action. And pregnant hope. Pregnant hope is, again, a, a, that emotion that says, you know what? It's not over. The best is yet to come. I yeah. want to keep believing God. He's not done yet with me. Uh, so that's a hard issue. Third uh, daring one. Daring love. Daring love is obviously, you know, a hard issue. We want to love well and uh, love even the hard people, right? Mm-hmm. Love, love uh, going to the hard places, yeah. uh, but love constrains us and compels us. Mm-hmm. Growth uh, mindset. So faith, hope, and love. Yeah. Growth mindset. Growth mindset. That was something you preached on. Talk about that. That's an inside-out value as well. Absolutely. It's, it's just to, to, position, to, to position ourselves emotionally and mentally to always be growing. To not be content, to not be stagnant, but always moving forward. And again, you have to have a mindset on the inside that values growth before you actually right. do things that contribute to your growth. Absolutely. We talked about covenant relationships, relationships mm-hmm. uh, which again, it means I'm going to be committed to loving you and doing whatever it takes to working through our differences. Or if there's a problem, if there's an issue with unforgiveness, we're going to forgive, we're going to keep pressing through. Yeah. Then you did a great job, as you mentioned, talking about excellence. Yeah. Which really just says I'm going to bring my A game. Yeah, you know? every time. I I want to bring my best to, to life, and then lastly, when we're talking today about uh, about kingdom generosity, but what we want everybody to see is you know if you got to do the work on the inside, values really start on on the inside of yeah. you. It's what you embrace, what's important to you, what you treasure, what what uh, what you value. Uh, and then that leads to an outside life that, that's completely different. Right. And so many of these things we talked about, you can't really see them. You know, you don't look at somebody on the on the exterior and say, "Oh, I see a growth mindset." <laughs> yeah. uh, but but uh, those are things that, that people can pick up though by the way we live our lives because of what we've done with the interior. Oh, and good. and um, so anyway, but but even before we get into that, you know, um, Sunday th- this whole weekend was just amazing, and it was such a a picture of our culture here at Living Stones. We we had just come off a Friday night and a Saturday right. of the now, Women's Now, this is a couple of weeks ago yeah. from when the podcast was Yeah, launched. by the time you guys are watching, this will have been a little bit in the in the, in the the history. But yeah. as we're recording this on yeah. Tuesday morning, this is just our last weekend. Yeah. Uh, we had the Women's Encounter. Yeah. We had over, over 100, 100 ladies, ladies come up. Yeah. Powerful. And just yeah. the... The way they were impacted, um, and, just, and, and again impacted by the Holy Spirit through the the leadership team and the ladies in this culture. Um, yeah, I, I actually went to marriage class uh, where yeah, we yeah. we um, share a lot of testimonies from the encounter, and uh, we actually had to move the marriage class to the overflow room because so many people came out to that. Wow! So, so um, I didn't know that until you just shared that. Yeah, it was it was packed. It, it made it made a lot of sense. Now, you know. So on one level, hearing all the testimony is just to hear the brokenness in our culture, yeah. and it's like let's stop pretending that we're not. We don't have a broken culture. Yeah. We have the amount of abuse that hurt, just the hurts from childhood, and just it just yeah. breaks my heart. Just how broken our generation, how our our culture, our community is, and yeah. it's like no one likes to talk about it, but that's the truth. There's yeah. deep brokenness. And then on the other side, there's there's such great reconciliation and healing. Yeah. The, the Lord's actively looking. He He's not just a, a, a bystander. He is actively looking to engage hearts and to heal us in our deepest, yeah. uh, most hurtful hurtful errors in our lives. You know? And this is where, you know, you talk about our, our broken larger cultures. You know, we got the breakdown of the family. We have 
uh, just a proliferation of, of sexual-related abuse situations yeah. um, that, that are just signs of a toxic culture. And so yeah. what I love is, is the church is meant to be an alternative parallel culture. We're supposed to be bringing down the culture of heaven uh, into our gatherings. And so people that are coming from you know the world, coming from brokenness, coming from the toxicity uh, of American culture right now can come into the body of Christ and experience, literally experience heaven. Yeah. I mean, people get healed, people get loved, people are mothered or fathered in a proper way. They see relationships that are healthy. They yeah. see faith, hope, and love. They see you know, a growth mindset, people moving to become better. They see a spirit of excellence. I mean, all of these things are really countercultural to what's happening in the world. Yeah. You know? And they sh- we should be countercultural. Absolutely. You know, we look too much like the world, and that's not a good thing. Absolutely. You know, so many people came up to me afterwards and said, hey, I'll, I, I need a golden encounter because yeah. I saw what they share just resonates so deeply in yeah. me, you know. And that's what it should look like. Yeah, and, so. and you know, in just a couple of days, of course, it's it's too late to, as you're hearing this podcast, mm-hmm. it's too late to go to this encounter. Uh, by the time you hear this, it it, uh, it will have already happened. But um, we have another packed house of men, which I'm really, really excited about. And what often happens, and you can attest to this, you know, when uh, it's like the woman at the well, you know, she, she encountered Jesus, Jesus rocked her life, and then she went and told everybody that she, that she uh, could, could knew in her hometown, hey, come on out and meet this man that, yeah. that, that, that impacted me. That's the same way it is. The ladies go to the women's encounter. Then they come home. Their husbands see the incredible transformation. Yeah. And then the guys are really out of, out of a sense of uh, uh, healthy jealousy. Hey, I don't want to miss out on my opportunity. So we've got we've got a packed house this we coming week. We have going to be 100 men coming out. Too. Yeah. I was talking to Jerry Harvey. I said, that room's going to smell a little funky by the end of the week. <laughs> Pack a lot of guys in that, that whole room for the whole weekend. So it's going to be an awesome time. Though. Uh, it is. Yeah. It's going to be an amazing heart connect and a, yeah. an amazing time just to get free. And freedom. Freedom feels so good, yeah. you know. And uh, so anyway, but we followed up, just to backtrack, we followed up on the Women's Encounter with an amazing Sunday morning, uh, just just a, a lot of, of Holy Spirit, passion, and energy in the house, yeah. joy, uh, another three services that are, that are growing and, and getting full. And then we did our State of the Church, which yeah. is our yearly kind of summary of what God has done in 2020. But also, I love it because we don't just focus on on the past, we really pivot and we begin to to share with what we really sense God is doing for 2021. Yeah. Uh, a reflection, a celebration of 2020, but at the same time, a time of envisioning and galvanizing for 2021. It yeah. was, uh, as people were, were done, as people were leaving, there was definitely a buzz in the room. There was uh. definitely energy and excitement um, because we're going somewhere and people want to be part of, of something yeah. bigger than themselves and a journey and a vision. And we're not making this up. I mean, I love what you share. It's like in your own heart, we want to kind of take a break. We want to kind of slow down a little yeah. bit. But the Lord says, no, time to go. Yeah. You know, we, as yeah. you know, I mean, you're a big part of it. We just came off of a three year campaign uh, where we all kind of tightened our belts. We, we, uh, we asked the Holy Spirit to speak to us and to say, you know, what is it, Lord, that you want us to do? How, how are we to be a part of of the exciting stuff that you're doing here uh, in our church family, and uh, and people did, and we you know we we generated over 1.3 million dollars uh, on over and above our regular ties and yeah, offerings. That's awesome, yeah. And uh, and of course, what we have to show for it is a a wonderful, uh, spacious foyer. Uh, we renovated all of our children's area, our youth area, the overflow uh, area, all of which are being. Uh, used right now, yeah. we added some added some rooms for small groups, celebrate recovery. Uh, so a lot of internal transformation, and then the only really expansion was the foyer. Yeah. Uh, but man, what God has done in this, you know, unexpectedly in this year of COVID is just blowing our minds. Yeah. No, it's it's amazing, and we're looking forward to what the Lord has for us next. You know, again, we're not coming these coming these ideas in our own like, our own vision or our own understanding. I uh, just want to hear and follow what God's doing. Yeah, so. and we've got a, a real sense of urgency. I think if I, uh, you know, what I shared on uh, Sunday night was just the a th- simple three-letter word that the Holy Spirit dropped in my spirit, and that's the word now, um, that there's a sense of urgency that we need to move on. Uh, probably by Easter, we will be approaching the mark of 
tripling the congregation here at Living Stones, which is just unbelievable. We give God all the glory for it. And we were saying, you know, he gets all the glory because we really haven't been doing anything differently other than leading out of our core values. And I think that's where, uh, again, what I encourage you and our congregation to to embrace is just to know who you are, know what you stand for, know what you believe, and then consistently live that. Because in times of crisis, that's when our our values are so important. Our values are like the anchors that hold us in place. And in fact, the crises of life are the things that really uh, make our values come to the forefront. Because that's, that's when you really determine what do I... Think I believe versus what do I really believe? <laughs> I really, yeah, and, and what you really believe is what you're going to do during times of crisis. And so yeah. we just felt like the Lord said, hey, we're going to move forward. We're going to provide hope for people. We're going to inspire faith. We're going to pr- practice daring love. We're going to keep growing. We're going to keep you know, giving our best, our A game. And we're going to keep believing uh, in the principle of kingdom generosity, no matter what the American economy looks like, or I don't know what economy you're living in around the world, and we have friends all over the world that uh, that tune in on these podcasts, uh, the truth is we live in the economy of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And, uh, and God does not play by the rules of our earthly economies. God is supernatural. God is big. God's word is true. God's promises are true no matter where you live. Uh, and so we want to encourage you this morning as we talk about how do you live a lifestyle in the overflow where you're not just thinking about yourself and your own needs, but you are living out of a supernatural lifestyle of abundance and you're able to bless other people. You know, I want to tie it into our message on Sunday, <laughs> our culture of generosity. Oh, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And we said, you know, the foundational principle is, is simply this. We're told, you know, in, in Ephesians 5, uh, chapter chapter 5, verse 1, be imitators of God as dearly beloved children. I, you know, imitate your their father. So imitate our heavenly father. Uh, and one of the areas, if we're going to be godlike, the, one of the areas we've got to master is we've got to learn how to be generous. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the connection between God and generosity? Well, this is a big connection. Yeah, for the big connection is, is, is in God's character to be generous. Yes. You know, if you think about all the different gods presented throughout history, the different imaginations of God, um, most of them are not generous. You know, you're talking about the Greek pantheons oh, yeah. or the, yeah. the, the Hindu gods. or Gods are um, needy. Gods are angry. Yeah. Gods need to be appeased. They need to be appeased. They need sacrifice to. And, and, but we have, but the, we have a God. It's the, the only true God yeah. is a God who, uh, out of the overflow, his heart wants to give and bless, you know, I mean, that's good news, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I can imagine otherwise. God's not needy. Yeah. He's not like, he's not like, um, like uh, you didn't do this. You didn't offer the right sacrifice. Therefore, I'm going to curse your land for yeah. whatever years. You In know, fact, God, God's the one giving us a sacrifice. He gives us his yeah. son. For God so loved the world that he gave. And, and so Christianity is radically different than any other fake uh, religion out there uh, because Christianity comes and begins its source in a God who is an overflowing God. You know, we talk about creation. Creation is is the glory of God uh, going public. You know, God is talked about as being an overflowing fountain, that it is his heart, it is his nature to overflow, to bless. It's his, it's his nature to be kind and to be good. Uh, it's his nature to come alongside of us and to help us. And so, you know, I've heard it said, God, you know, when you become a Christian, God doesn't put out a help wanted sign like, Andrew, I really need you to, right. to help serve me because, you know, if, if I could just get you all in, man, I would be so blessed. No, God doesn't need any of us in that way. God, God is fully sufficient in who he is. Uh, and, and the invitation to follow Christ is not out of a, a lack or a need that God has. It's a privilege and it's a joy. It, it's us jumping into the superabundance of God Absolutely. and beginning to move and live and operate in a whole other dimension of kindness and generosity. Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, if generosity is such an important, crucial um, aspect of God's character, you know, so when we step into true generosity, uh, uh, position ourselves in a place to give and to bless other people, we become very much like God. We are aligning our- ourselves with God's heart. Amen. And I think that's the number one reason for us to live generous, to have a culture of generosity. Amen. And so here's the deal, you know, if you want God in your midst, like God in your life, God in your family, God in your church, God in your business, then you have to create a culture where God is comfortable 
aligning who he is with who you are, yeah. right? So the whole idea of a generous culture at church, for instance, is, is when we function in a spirit of generosity, we're functioning out of, the, out of the heart of God. And when we align our hearts with his heart, that's when God is able to release uh, all that he is into our context. So and, and very I, important. I think it's important for people to understand, you know, being generous is not like this workspace, like, I, I got to go and like appease everyone's needs, you know, that that kind of slave mentality. Yeah. It's, it's it's a position, you, it's an attitude you have. I'll give you an example, like, you know, like uh, at that Sunday night when we were uh, at the State of the Union, and I, I was talking to a young, a great young man who was looking to get more connected and involved, and he just came to me, he's just like, you know, is there any other ways I can serve? He's already serving, I'm looking to serve. If you need something, just let me know. And he's pouring out his generosity, yeah. and I appreciate that. And out of my overflow, my heart, I, my my disposition towards him is, you want to serve me? I want to serve you. How can I serve you? What In what ways can I grow you? In what way can I develop you? In what way can I pour into your heart? Now, obviously, there's a limited amount of time and energy and resource, yeah. but the disposition of my heart towards him was one of overflow. One, I want yeah. to bless him. He wants to bless me. I'm like, I want to bless you. And I think that's the attitude we should have. Well, you know, we, we we commented on that Sunday. The second principle was that uh, gratitude is our response to the generosity yeah. of God and, and the generosity of others. You talked about that when when His desire was, "How can I serve? What? How can I be a blessing?" Then your response is, "Wow, you know, how can I be a blessing back to you?" Yeah. And you know, we talk about that in the mar- in our marriage to get in the cycle, the blessing cycle, not the crazy cycle right. when everything's well. What about me? Well, what about me? You know, right. back and forth. Right. How about how can I serve my wife? How can I be generous with my wife? How can I love my right. wife? And then when I'm that way towards her, then her response is gratitude. She wants to serve yeah, me. Yeah. And and it becomes this beautiful cycle. It's the same thing in churches. You know, when someone comes up to you and says, "Hey," Uh, I'm just delivering this money, but the, the, this is from somebody in the church that God laid you on their heart, and they wanted to. They felt like they were supposed to give you this gift. Mm-hmm. How do you respond when that happens? I right. mean, you're like, are you kidding me? Right. Somebody bless me. Somebody actually sensed that God spoke on their heart to give this to me or to help me or to serve me. No way. You know, I, I'm totally overwhelmed with gratitude. Right. And, you know, when a church family and a culture is a culture of gratitude, number one, because gratitude because of God and sending his son for me. Who am I? I'm not worthy of that. I deserve hell. But God sent his only son for me to give me life and to give me hope. That's the whole response of how we give our lives, you know, back to the Lord. That's good. It's rooted in gratitude. And gratitude isn't me twisting your arm. Andrew, you need to be more generous. No, a person that's full of gratitude just is looking for ways to bless. Yeah, that's good. And uh, and that's the kind of culture we're trying to create. You know, I love King David's heart when he was reflecting on Saul, this, this you know, someone who was mean to him and tried to kill him. But David, later in his life, he said, is there anybody left in the household of Saul that I could bless? I'm thinking, what a great heart. And that's the question we should be asking, you know, when we start our day today. Lord, who do you want to bless through me? Yeah. Who, who do you want to extend your kindness to through me? And, and when we're looking that way, looking for opportunities, we're asking the Lord to, to bless people through our lives. That really captures that, that heart of gratitude because gratitude is the foundation That's good. of all generosity. Yeah, and again, I want to encourage you to don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you do have. And in that element of what you do have, it might you might not have money, but it might be your efforts. It might be a smile. It might be an encouraging mm-hmm. word. Um, whatever it is, when you're looking to bless someone, all of a sudden you are stepping into the kingdom of God because that's God's culture. Amen. Now you're aligning yourself with the agenda of your Heavenly Father. And now that's where the enlargement happens. Yeah. So when people are lacking and they want to be enlarged, the first step you ask them is to enla- is to step into generosity, even though that's so unintuitive. Yeah. But you start you step into that, and then all of a sudden God does the enlargement inside. Amen. You know? And here we got into a third principle. This, this is good for everybody. <laughs> It's good news and bad news because as you're talking about, a lot of times yeah. we think about, hey, be generous. Instantly, people go to their pocketbook, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the church is asking me for money. Uh, the church, you know, you hear people that say, I don't want to go to church because all they care about is money. And and uh, and I like to say to people, oh, I wish it were I wish it were that easy because it's actually worse than that. God's not, I'm not really interested in yeah. your money. He's interested in you, you, all, everything, all of you. Oh my goodness! Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the the issue for many people um, is not uh, 
is not money. The issue is when are you going to give your entire life and all of your stuff and all, you know, everything that you are, when will you recognize that it all belongs to the Lord? Yeah. He is your master and all that you have uh, is his. And so God's not interested in your money. He is interested in you. And you know, this podcast is called the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Discipleship Podcast. There's lots of podcasts that deal with leadership and other things like that, and they're all great and they all have their place. But the fundamental you know, point of, of discipleship is you are no longer you. Yeah. It's not your life. Uh, when you give your life to Christ, he doesn't just take you on installment plans. He wants everything. He wants, and really, it's all his anyway. He just wants us to acknowledge right. his lordship. Right. You, you think about all the things that demands your resource, right? Nipsco, phone bill, <laughs> taxes, right? You give yourself, you pay bills to many different things. God is not another bill that you pay, right? That's right. God, is, God wants a whole lot more than that. And let's just be honest here. And it's so much easier for us to give our money than to give our energy. How about our focus? How about our interest? How about our passion? Oh, yeah. How about our forgiveness, forgiveness. to somebody else? Oh, yeah. Our time, you know? Yeah, yeah. These are all things that are precious to us. Oh, man. And uh, and I just want to say, you know, and you've experienced this, how liberating it is. You know, Jesus said, if you're going to experience life, you have to first lose your life. Yeah. And that's so counterintuitive, but it's so true. The greatest thing you can do it's just to say, Lord, I'm not going to worry about my Nipsco bill and my mortgage and yeah, because it all belongs to you. And uh, my life belongs to you. And, you know, I encourage young people to ask the question, you know, you're, you're here on planet Earth. You don't have to figure out, like, what am I going to do with my life? Why don't you give your life to Jesus yeah, and good. just simply say, Lord, you created me for a purpose my life belongs to you. Lord, you write the story. You know who I am. You know how the, how this all ends. It's so liberating. You know, I, I shared something. My front porch that was sinking belongs to the Lord. It's his job yeah. to come up with the resources to fix the house. My house belongs to him. I'm just a steward of my house. Yeah. Uh, that's just so liberating to me. It, it cracks me up because... You know, that message of like, hey, what do you want to do with your life? And how do you going to architect and design? I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a degree of planning that's good to kind yeah, of we should be find your vision and plan. But at the heart of it, if it's your life, if you live like that, if you're anything like me, which I see many young people live this out, is you spend the first half of your life planning and trying to scheme your life. And you spend the second half of your life with God unwinding all the scheming I've done <laughs> for him to... <laughs> Help me understand that, that so really true. it's his life, you yes. know. So I'm in a phase in which God's unwinding all the little things I've, uh, the things I've tried to done and to shape my own life. God's like, yeah, no, I don't really want that there. I don't really want that there. And sometimes it's painful. And think of all the wasted hours fretting, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. Fretting. Oh, how am I going to do this? And what is, yeah. you know, where am I going to go to school? What's my career? Or should I take this job? Do I have enough money? What car should I? I mean, fret, 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 fret. And uh, and so much of it, like you said, the Lord has to just go, all right, let me, let me untangle the, the <laughs> mess that you made out of the first, you know, two decades, three decades, four decades. Right. I mean, you know, the, it, it gets to be quite hilarious. Yeah, I, you know, with... Young kids now, I recognize how many things that they will freak out about or be upset about. That, from my perspective, is like it's like you didn't even want that. Like, tr trust me, if you if you had what you wanted, you realize you don't really want that. Right. And I, I think as a young man, there's all these things I thought I need in my life, and God and His fatherly wisdom was like, I might even let you have it just to let you know, realize that you really don't want that. You know. Yeah, um, that's true. A lot of times you're chasing, you know, you put your ladder on what you think is success, yeah. and you get to the top this of the hill, my dream, and you, and you my realize, vision. wow, I got my ladder, like they say on the on the wrong building. Right. And I and I love this. We're, we talked about it Sunday, but we're not really after success. Success is about me. People that are successful usually die uh, so empty because they realize just how hollow that is. What we're really after is significance, and significance is about other people. You'll, you'll never live a significant life if you don't give your life away and step into the generosity of God. Uh, significance means how many people have been impacted, blessed, helped, uh, encouraged by me giving my life away. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's get rid of the whole pursuit of success and worldly success and all that, and let, let's really focus on significance. If you will be significant, 
uh, and live a significant life, in God's eyes, you'll be successful. Well, significance defined really in deep relationships. Now, the problem with success defined in our current culture today is how many Instagram followers you have, Twitter followers, yeah. blah, blah, blah. How big is your bank account, your bank house? Accounts, those things. And there's a degree of influence in those things. Don't get me wrong. I understand that. I'm, if you have a great platform, you'd be able to minister to a lot of people through your platform. Great. But I'm just saying that's not... That's not necessarily God's view of success. Right. And, and we need to be careful of that because even in our age today, when you have this big old platform, that means you have to conform to a certain level of rules or to the censorship of YouTube or, yep. or Twitter that, that, that you might not be able to conform yourself to God's standard. And what I'm realizing is true success defined by that, you're, really, you're, you're not really successful. You're really ensnared. You're really yeah. enslaved. And, and and there's great success and freedom when you say, hey, you know, I'm I'm not about about the world system of success. I'm defined by God's system of success. And then I'm free. I'm free mm -hmm. to love people, speak the truth. Amen. You know, you know I'm even thinking about, you know, uh, our growing business gathering here of, of, of men and women who are in the marketplace. You know, you realize at some point, if you own a business, uh, the the end game is not uh, how how much can I make? It's not how, what's the, uh, how much market share can I take over? Um, you know, you live, we live in a cutthroat kind of dog eat dog yeah. world, um, hostile takeovers and all this kind of stuff. Um, the true spirit behind Christian capitalism, <clears throat> excuse me, is how can I use profit? How can I use the blessing of God in my life through my business to impact people? Yeah. And it's really about serving people and loving people and touching people with with the business that God's given me, whether it's the people, my vendors, whether it's my customers. Uh, when you get out of that success mindset and move into a significant mindset and say, who is it that I can impact? Who can I be a blessing to today through my business? That's when things get to be really exciting. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, but I, but here, this is probably a good transition because the other thing we talked about was if we truly understand generosity, we will step into a supernatural uh, kingdom provision that is awesome. Because... There's something about moving in faith and moving in generosity that really opens the floodgates of heaven to provide for our needs. No, absolutely. I mean, just think about any general investor, right? You're, you know, someone who wants to invest in your business or your company or whatever, you know, well, when they're looking for an investment, they're looking for someone who's going to get a good return on their investment. In, a, in, in our world, it's money. They may, you're making profit. But don't think in terms of money or profit. Think about a heavenly investor, God's investor. Yeah. He wants to make sure when he invests in you, there's a good return on what he wants, what aligns with his kingdom, right? Yep. Which is generosity. Yep. So if your business or your life or your ministry, whatever it is, your, your marriage is producing the fruit that God wants to produce in you, he wants to invest. He's like, wow. I mean, he's the good master. He, you're the good steward. He's saying you're yep. getting a good return on whatever I'm investing in you. I'm going to invest more. Now there's more provision for hey, that. You, you talked about the parable of the talents uh, a few weeks back. Mm -hmm. You know, God says, hey, excellent job with what I've given you. You've been generous. You've multiplied it. You, you've used it for my glory. I'm going to put more in your hands. Yeah. In fact, I, I want to read this This. So, uh, proverb. It's one of my favorite. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. And I love the way the message uh, Bible paraphrase says this. Uh, it says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, and the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And then the, uh, verse 25 says, the generous will prosper, and those who refresh others, they themselves will be refreshed. Yeah. You know, I've seen that to be true. When you hang around generous people, you're always just going, you're always blessed. You're, you're like, I can't believe you were so thoughtful. I can't believe you bought this for me. I can't believe you you thought ahead and, you know, and took care of that need. You know, wow, when you're around people like that, you they expand you. They make you want to be more like them. Yeah. When you're around stingy people that are, you know, nitpicking over this or that or yeah, down, yeah. fighting they, down to the penny, you know, yeah. those people are not fun to be around. Sure. You know, they're draining, and, and they don't make you want to be more generous. They they make you want to be more stingy. So, yeah. you know, I just think the, the longer you're on planet Earth, if you if you live your life for others, if you live your life for the glory of God, He exposes you to so many relationships, so many opportunities, so many things you never thought you'd see yourself doing or experiencing. That's good. Uh, just because you're a generous person. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. People who refresh other people... They themselves are refreshed. I just heard John Maxwell giving a, a great talk on this. He said, you know, if my right hand goes to wash my left hand because it's dirty or needs to be clean, 
Guess what happens in the process of my right hand yeah. washing my left hand? Ah, they both get clean. They're both refreshed. Yeah. So if I live my life to be a blessing to you, in the process of that, yeah. I get blessed myself. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I want to encourage our viewers. You don't need a title or a ministry position to be able to be generous or bless yeah. other people. In fact, a lot of times those titles or positions could end up being an idol and become a stumbling block. And you right. start to find your identity in your title instead of in in God, in, yep. in, in your relationship with the Lord. Every single one of us, wherever what we've been, with whatever we've been given, ministry opportunities we've been given, uh, can be generous and love others. In fact, sometimes without the title, without the ministerial position, it's yeah. the purest form of offering, purest form of aligning yourself with God's agenda to love others, uh, because there's no strings attached. You're doing it because you love people. You love God. And you, you know, you talked about the widow with the with the two mites in the yeah. temple. That woman had very little so social status. She was not a power broker in her culture. Yeah. In fact, her name's not even given in the Bible. But Jesus, God Almighty, stops and said, hey, guys, you know, see that lady right there? That's what I'm after. That woman's gift still echoes through eternity. Yeah. Uh, and to, to, to add to your point, you know, it's not the title. She certainly didn't have one. But Jesus gave her a title, and he said, that what that woman just did, we're going to be talking about until uh, he comes. And guess what? We're still talking about it here today. The so, only title that really matters is God's title, which amen. is so different from our own understanding of titles sometimes. Absolutely. You know? so, so. so we want to encourage people, uh, and especially you know, as we're moving forward here at Living Stones you know, into another season of growth and expansion, um, it is so critically important in the way we run our business and conduct our business, whether it's the way you run your household, your your personal business, marketplace job that you have, or kingdom business, like here at the church, uh, that we are committed that we don't shrink back, no matter what the economic times are. We don't shrink back. In fact, sometimes when, when the economy tightens, that's our signal that we're to be more generous. The kingdom yeah. of God is upside down. Yep. It does not make sense to our natural minds. Many times when you're in a tight spot, the Lord's saying, give more. Um, and again, follow the Lord. I mean, everything is, we're servants. We're, he's our master. Everything yeah. that, that we own belongs to him. So don't just take this as a, as a principle and just do it. Always stay connected to the Lord. But I'm just saying in my life, I've seen that many times when the Lord's wanting to give me a breakthrough, he's actually asking me to do more or to give more, even when it feels a little tight. Absolutely. I think it's clear that our hearts are always supposed to be generous. Now, what does that yeah. look like practically? That's between you and God. Right. But but a check on yourself is, am, is my heart shrinking right now or is my heart wide open? Absolutely. And every engagement, we're supposed to be generous. And I think that's important. So. And the last thing we talked about was uh, simply generosity is going to keep us. If we, if we keep that core value of generosity, it will keep us from wasting our lives. Yeah. Uh, connect some dots for people. How, do, how does generosity keep you from wasting your life? Man, that's a that's a that's a loaded topic right there. <laughs> I mean, I, again, I think the, the the big picture again, once again, is because you are now aligning yourself. You know, we have we have so many purpose and vision and dreams and ideas. You look. You know, every company got their own vision statement. There's a lot of great ideas, okay? Nations rise, nations fall. Everyone's got a bunch of agenda. People got their own plans. Mm -hmm. But if you really want to be part of a plan that lasts it, it, forever, eternal plans, you want to be part of God's plan, yeah. okay? And if you know God's heart is to generous and to bless other people, that is eternity. That is um, a surefire way for you to be connected to some, something that will last forever. Giving your life away will never, ever, it, it will reap internal dividends. You will yeah. never waste it, you know? Yeah. And I talked about Sunday, you know, um, in America, there's a lot of uh, class warfare that's really rooted in Marxist theory. It's, it's, it's the government officials trying to get one group of people angry at another group of people because yep. you, you have more money, yeah. I'm poor. Right. And, and what, we, what we highlighted on Sunday was, to me, very stunning because whenever I read the biblical passage about warnings to rich people, uh, basically spending their lives, gather, 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 gather. Yeah. I'm going to die with the most. I'm going to build a bigger barn, right? Yeah. Um, uh, it's all about warnings that rich people are going to miss the kingdom. It's like, you know, that Jesus said, uh, it's harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom than it is to get a, uh, a camel, can through, the, camel yeah. through the eye of a needle, yeah. you know? Um, and so, it's all, you know, you read that and you go, oh, yeah, all those rich people better watch it. 
Um, but I shared Sunday, you know, that uh, this was uh, 2018 data, but the, the average median income for Americans was around $62,000. That's what the average person brings in in a year in America. And for some, that might seem like a lot of money. For some, that might seem like, like nothing. But when you compare that $62,000 to the household median income globally, mm-hmm. that makes the average American a wealthy person in the eyes of the world. Because that 62000 puts us in the 1% of the world's yeah. median income category. And then I shared that if you take that 1% and you divide it into fifths, so uh, 1% divided into, into five equal parts, we are in the top one-fifth of 1%, which is crazy. Again. Crazy. Think about crazy. it. Crazy. Uh, which means, again, that when the Bible is talking about warning rich people not to take their money and consume it all upon themselves or to sock it away in this life, Jesus said, hey, send it ahead to where the moths won't eat it and rust won't consume it. In other words, if we use the resources God's given us wisely. We use them now. We're generous. We don't wait for you know the end of our lives to say, oh, I got some leftover. I think I'll invest it in the kingdom. No, you invest it in people, in the kingdom, in the Lord now. And then what God says is, you're going to have wealth. Unbelievable. Like, this is crazy. I, we know heaven's going to be a great place, right? We know when Jesus comes and the earth is restored. But, it's, but, but I've joked before, you know, God's not a socialist. No, no, he doesn't go. Okay, Andrew, here's here's your uh, here's your portion. I want to give it to you. Oh, Pastor Ron, here's your little wedge. Oh, you know, you on through. Everybody lines up, and we all get this cookie cutter reward. God is a rewarder, and like Jesus actually says, what you do with your money now, you either send it forward, or you consume it all. It it gets left here. Right. But he says if you invest it in kingdom things, somehow that wealth is going, I'm going to enjoy that forever, Well, which is my, which is crazy because, yeah. again, we just think in heaven we're not going to have, obviously we won't have any needs, yeah. it's going to be beautiful. No, people think heaven is socialism. Right. It's, it's, it's utopianism. Or it is utopia by the definition of utopia, but they think it's a communistic. Whereas Jesus' parable, the parable of talent is the opposite of socialism, right? It's saying, hey, depending on how hard you work, you're going to be rewarded. In fact, the guy didn't work that hard. Take his money and give it to you. Yeah. That's, that is not socialism. And we, and we don't know what that looks like, but, yeah. but it's clearly. But the idea is clearly like work, like how hard you work. I, I, I'll tell you another parable, one of my favorite parables that took me forever to truly understand. The parable of the the evil but wise manager. Yeah, right? yeah. The guy was going to get fired, right? Right. And so you're my master. You say, hey, you are, you've been deceitful. I'm going to fire you. So I'm like... I, I'm gonna get fired soon. I don't. I can't work. I, I'm not good at working hard. I don't want to dig ditches. Right. I'm, um, too, old I'm too old for that. I'm too weak for that. So what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go find lenders that that owe you money and make good and by like reducing their debt, really cheating you even more. Yeah. But after I lose my job, they'll be nice to me because I'm using the resources. I'm saving not, them money. Saving them money. Yeah. Using and it's such a twisted and like a evil thing to do but the master when he founds out like even though he's not happy but he's like that guy is cunning yeah. and jesus using that example to show even the people of the world knows how to think for the future yeah. invest in the future uh, us who are in his kingdom who, are, who who believes in jesus should take the resource we have now on earth and multiply and, and, and invest in in our future using that same mentality that same mindset you know, what a weird parable that Jesus yeah, that, would use, right? <laughs> yes. But there's something really profound about that, but, but right? But look at the people Jesus singles out, okay? So I think the woman who, who destroyed her life, she lived a, she was a woman of ill, repu- ill yeah. repute. Yeah. But she took the one valuable thing that she had, which was that perf- perfume, which she probably yeah. used on her herself mm-hmm. uh, in her own trade, right? Uh, but when she got converted, she took that, she pours it on, on Jesus. She mm-hmm. gives everything. And it was, it was all that she had. And Jesus stops again and he says, this woman, what she's doing is radical. But, it, but here's the point. Not only was it a radical demonstration now, but she took that, she, she, she poured it on Jesus, not knowing that, that she was, that, that was actually anointing him for his burial, right? right? I mean, for his death and right. burial. Uh, and, and so that investment now, 
That was sent ahead. Yeah. What does that look like with compounding interest? Oh, forever? absolutely. Or the right. woman with the mite, the two right. little coins. She she didn't give a percentage of her income and wealth. She gave it all. Right. She's not a fool. Right. Some people look at people that are radical in their generosity, and they say, well, that person's crazy. They're foolish. That's good. You know, God doesn't want us to be that radical. And yet Jesus, God Almighty, stops and says that what that woman did catches my attention. Right. So so what would that tiny, little, seemingly insignificant investment, what does that look like when it's compounded into eternity? I mean, think about what that woman's inheritance looks like. Right. It's not based on earthly wealth. Right. It's based on her willingness to give the Lord everything. Right. Right. And that and, and that makes you know, so so the wise person in this life is not the person that plays it safe. It's not the person that on Sunday takes out, you know, looks in my wallet. Oh, I got a twenty. Uh, yeah. uh, I'll throw a twenty in the in the uh, offering plate yeah. just to let God know, hey, we're good. No, you're actually being a fool because if you don't learn how to steward everything, right. if you don't learn how to be a generous giver with your life, your talent, your time, your resources, you're not only robbing yourself now, because what we're trying to say is a generous life is an overflowing life. It's yeah. a blessed life. It's the best life. But you're also robbing yourself for eternity because you've sent nothing ahead or very little ahead. Uh, and that's the retirement account that matters. <laughs> right. I, I think about the 2008 crash, right? The financial crash. Now, obviously devastating to a lot of people. But to those who timed it right, who had the right wisdom, they made a ton of money in that dip, right? You buy low or whatever, they bet against the trade, whatever they did. Uh, you know, that to me is the level of wisdom that God wanted us to have on this earth. Because like, in what way can I invest my money, buy low, and get the highest return? It just doesn't look like the world's. You might be investing in a person that no one's like, why are you spending time with this person? You know, you might be investing in a ministry that people like, no one's going to know. You, you're not going to get any Instagram likes or, you, or no news is going to pick up this. Yep. But you, in your heart, you know the impact of this ministry or impact of this young person you're investing in that no one would know. That's right. But you know, in, when, in, in the kingdom of God, that is like buying low and one day you're going to get a crazy return. That to me is true wisdom. And we all need to have the eyes to be able to see God's kingdom, that perspective. I have this amount of time. We don't have any more time. You have the same amount of time as I do. Yep. We don't have any more or any less. How can I invest my time in the wisest way to buy the lowest so we can get the highest return? Well, and, and you bring yeah. out such an amazing point that we saw highlighted Sunday night yeah. in our state of the church. You know, when Pastor Dick and Susie talked about the, the Roar schools, mm -hmm. you know, that we're planting overseas. So we take the Bible, we, we put it into a curriculum. We translated into the language of, of some of the most, uh, you know, unreached nations, unreached people, and gave the example of, of Vietnam. Mm -hmm. We translate that, but first of all, we, we do our very first rural school. Um, we train a national leader there. That guy goes to his his home, plants a church in an unreached, or plants a school in an unreached people, begins to raise up a church. Uh, they translate that into the language of another unreached people group who then translated into the language of a third people group who who it begins to spread. That that one little investment. So somebody says, I'm gonna give to the Roar mm -hmm. to help plant, you know, Bible schools among unreached peoples. Mm -hmm. Maybe they gave a hundred dollars. That money has already made itself over in terms of kingdom reproduction mm -hmm. into lives that are being led to Christ. That here's the cool thing. Like you and I, we may never get to meet that that church planter in that unreached people group in Vietnam, mm -hmm. a communist country. But there will be a day when we will meet those people. Yeah. And and I believe the Lord will set it up to say, hey, I want you to, I want to show you part of your investment. Because our investment and our, our return on our lives is not always just money and gold and houses and cars and all that material stuff. In fact, we know the greatest investment souls is people. So I believe the time is going to come when someone will come running up to us on the, in the next world yeah. and say, Pastor Andrew, you don't know me, but you know that money that you gave when you were a poor college kid, you know, when you were in your 20s and yeah. you didn't have that much money. But you know what? You, you responded to that call. You sold some money. I came to know the Lord because that money went to do this, which connected that dot, which connected that dot. And there's going to be this ripple effect that goes out. This is going to lead to the tr you know transformation of that person's life. Sure. And I believe the Lord, as only the Lord can do it, 
is going to connect a lot of dots for a lot of people. Yeah. And you're going to go, wow, that, that sacrifice that I made had an eternal impact that, that yeah. impacted dozens, thousands, millions of people. Who knows the impact? Yeah. Is it a sacrifice to buy Google stock when it was starting out? It's not a sacrifice. You're, you're a millionaire at this point. If you do <laughs> yeah. that. God wants us to do that for the kingdom of God. It's yeah. not a sacrifice to, to... That's why when we do ministry, when we meet people, when we love people, it's like, it's not a sacrifice. Are there disappointments? Yeah. Are there, yeah. But that is not a sacrifice. That's ministry right. is... Is a wise investment, right? Ministry is uh, is is choosing to be uh, moving in kingdom generosity to take. You know, the Bible says, "Freely you've received, yeah. freely give." Um, in fact, I want to uh, I want to maybe close with this verse right here, as we just encourage you to give your life away and to make a wise investment, to be a generous person, to be someone that refreshes others. Then you yourself will be refreshed. It says this in Matthew ten uh, five through eight. Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. Don't begin by traveling to some far off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in your neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick, raise the dead, touch the untouchables, kick out demons. And I love the way the Message Bible says this, you have been treated generously. So live generously. You have been treated generously, so live generously. Some translations say freely you have received, freely give. That's the mandate that the Lord himself has given to us. He freely gave his life to us. Now he says, will you guys live a generous lifestyle and take what I've blessed you with and freely give it away to other people? That's the mandate before us. Let's not waste our lives. Generosity keeps us from living a, a shallow, stingy, empty life. Uh, a life of generosity keeps us ever enlarging, moving in the Holy Spirit, constantly seeing supernatural provision from the Lord, and knowing that at the end of your days, you will have impacted many, many people, and your life mattered. You lived a life of great significance. So final word on anything on that? No, I want you to give the final word. Now we're wrapping up this powerful series on our tribe. I think it's, it's been so, so powerful in shaping our culture and helping people understand what we're all about. But now we're moving to another exciting series. And yes. for those of you who might have already been the Sunday already, but just give us a little, yeah. share your heart on that real quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, I realize that some of you are already are going to be partaking of that series, but it's called Voices. Uh, subtitle is Discerning uh, the frequency of heaven, or learning to understand how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and then to obey. That's what makes life really, really exciting. And, and you know, we're, we're running into a lot of people, depending on the church tradition that you came from, a lot of people have been taught that once we had the Bible, you know, the canon of Scripture, that God's not speaking anymore to us. The only way God speaks is through the Bible. And um, and that, and I'm going to highlight the... the uh, silliness of all that and, and, and the futility of all that. Obviously, we believe in the scriptures, and the scriptures are the highest form of God's uh, voice to us, his, his, his speak, spoken word to us. Sure. But, you know, the Bible says so many other places, you know, like my sheep hear my voice, Jesus said. And yeah. you look through the scriptures and you see that God communicates through many, many voices, uh, not just the voice of scripture, but many, many voices. And, and he, the Holy Spirit was given for the distinct purpose of leading us and guiding us and directing us. You know, you go through the book of Acts and there's so many situations where the disciples prayed and the Holy Spirit spoke. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, and so I, I believe that one of the one of the most crucial skills that we could pick up this side of eternity is learning how to tune our ears to the frequency of heaven and learning how to really listen to God. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, and so I think you're going to really in, uh, enjoy and appreciate this series, just as we we learn again to to discern, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and to be sensitive to His still small voice. Yeah, uh, and that's something I've been learning the last couple of years, really uh, realizing the importance for us to for us to live in God's kingdom. We have to listen to the King, you know, because yeah. I'm I have lots of ideas, I have lots of agenda. But just understand the emptiness at the end of our own ideas and the fruitfulness when we listen to the Holy Spirit. It's almost like you never live until you start listening to the Holy Spirit. Like, listen and obey. The gospel. Listen and obey. How simple is that? Yeah. But in the midst of this, man, we're going to process some of the, in the And I, I love what you said. What, what could be more valuable? What could be more exciting 
once you surrender to the Lord, you know, mm-hmm. here I am, Lord, I'm your servant. What is it you want me to do? How do you want me to live? Who do you want me to serve? Who do you want me to bless? That's when you begin to see the supernatural yeah. dimension. That's when your intimacy with God really goes oh, off the absolutely. charts. So that's what we want. We want to live radical, intimate lives with Jesus. Uh, and when we do that, our hearts are so full, our lives are so full, yeah. and the legacy we leave is really uh, just tremendous. So uh, we want to pray for you. Lord, bless those that are watching right now. Uh, just enlarge our hearts, every, every one of us, Lord. There's people today that we can touch. Help us to hear your voice. Help mm-hmm. us to be quick to respond. Lord, everything that we have is a gift from you. Help us to steward it well and to use it to bless other people. Lord, we thank you in advance that the life of those who move in generosity gets larger and larger. So we thank you for full lives, for big lives, for impactful lives, uh, and for joy-filled lives. Because, Lord, when we are touching other people and we're generous with all that you blessed us with, that's when we are most truly alive. Mm. So thank you for helping us to live lives more abundantly. We give you all the glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, go out and bless somebody this week. Uh, share the, out of the fullness that we've received from Jesus. Let's be generous like our great God. Hey, we look forward to uh, having you join us again next week. And in the meantime, make sure that you comment on this podcast, like it, share it, let other people know about it. Uh, we would appreciate it. All right. Blessings to you. Thanks for being generous with us. <laughs>